Welcome to Quills and Cliffhangers, the podcast that reviews the best of vintage and modern literature. Quills and Cliffhangers is produced by Steve's Book Decor, your resource for decorative book sets for home, office, and weddings. And now, the host of our program, Jane, our Director of Marketing, with today's show. Hello everyone, welcome to part two of our show featuring the 1899 bestseller Fables in Slang by George Aid. I have a classic story for you today, starring a young woman of yesteryear who was looking for Mr. Wright. George Ade wrote these fables during the Industrial Revolution, when women were expanding their roles in society, searching for work opportunities in offices in the big city, and campaigning for their right to vote. You'll run into some obscure references in this story, so here is some helpful historical information. This story is set in a town that is so small it doesn't even have a name. George calls it a way station. That's a quick stop on a train route. In this town lives a shrewd, wealthy businessman, a single father who is raising his daughter. The author calls the girl a peach, which tells us that she is beautiful. However, she has no one to teach her how to develop her feminine charms. She convinces her father to send her to a finishing school, where her friends reveal to her that life is one big party, involving candy, the theater, and the company of charming, well-dressed young men. A few weeks later, when her frugal father receives the bill from the school, he practically has a heart attack and demands that she return home. George compares the father to David Harem. In case you're asking, who's that? David Harem was the title of an 1898 book about a horse trader who engaged in unscrupulous business practices. While we may assume that all of 19th century society gathered around oil lamps enjoying the great classics, the truth is that 400,000 people were reading this shockingly entertaining bestseller instead. Another useful term you will need to know for this story is drummer, which was an old-fashioned word for a salesman. When the drummer, a young tobacco sales rep, meets the daughter in this story, he becomes equally infatuated with her beauty, her charm, and her father's money. You can already see where this story is going. A few minor items to mention. The daughter takes the drummer for a ride in her phaeton, which was a sporty, horse-drawn carriage with extra-large wheels. A 19th-century courting ritual, which George mentioned often in his stories, was that the suitor would bring his lady-love marshmallows. And finally, the daughter builds a shrine on her dresser with candles and a photo of someone named Mr. Southern. It took some research to locate him, 
but I believe this was a handsome young actor, E. H. Southern, who famously played D'Artagnan in The King's Musketeers on stage in 1899. Without further ado, here is The Fable of the Brash Drummer and the Peach Who Learned That There Were Others A well-fixed mortgage shark residing at a way station had a daughter whose experience was not as large as her prospective bankroll. She had all the component parts of a peach, but she didn't know how to make a showing and there was nobody in town qualified to give her a quiet hunch. She got her fashion hints from a trade catalog and took her tips on etiquette and behavior from the questions and answers department of an agricultural monthly. The girl and her father lived in a big white house with evergreen trees in front of it and a wind pump at the rear father was a good deal the same kind of a man as David Harum, except that he didn't let go of any Christmas presents. In fact, daughter was the only one on earth who could induce him to loosen up. Now it happened that there came to this town every 30 days a brash drummer who represented a tobacco house. He was a gabby young man, and he could articulate at all times whether he had anything to say or not. One night, at a lawn party given by the ladies of the Methodist congregation, he met daughter. She noticed that his trousers did not bag at the knees, also that he wore a superb ring. They strolled under the maples, and he talked what is technically known as hot air. He made an impression considerably deeper than himself. She promised to correspond. On the occasion of his next visit to the way station, he let her wear his ring and made a wish while she took him riding in the phaeton. He began to carry her photograph in his watch and show it to the boys employed at the house. Sometimes he would fold over one of her letters so they could see how it started out. He said the old man had nothing but, and he proposed to make it a case of Mary. Truly, it seemed that he was the principal cake in the pantry, and little did he suspect that he could be frosted. But a daughter, after much pleading, induced father to send her to a finishing school in the East. A finishing school is a place at which young ladies are taught how to give the quick finish to all persons who won't do. At school, the daughter tied up with a chum who seldom overlooked a Wednesday matinee. And she learned more in three weeks than her childhood home could have shown her in three centuries. Now she began to see the other kind, the kind that wears a cutaway with a white flower in the morning, a frock with violets in the afternoon, and a jimmy little tuxedo at night. 
for the first time, she began to listen to harness that had chains to it, and she rode in vehicles that permitted her to glance in at the second stories. She stopped wearing hats and began to choose confections. She selected them languidly, three at a time. Then, the bill to the way station, and father down with heart failure. She kept Mr. Southern's picture on her dresser with two red candles burning in front of it. And every time she thought of Gabby Will, the crackerjack salesman, she reached for the Peau d'Espagne perfume and sprayed herself. One day, when the tobacco salesman came up Main Street, he met the drug clerk who told him that she was home on a visit. So he hurried through with his work, got a shave, changed the ends on his cuffs, pared his nails, bought a box of marshmallows, and went out to the house. The daughter was on the lawn, seated under a canopy that had set father back $32. There was a hired hand sprinkling the grass with a hose, and as Will, the conversational drummer, came up the long walk. Daughter called to the hired hand and said, Johnson, there is a strange man coming up the walk. Change the direction of the stream somewhat, else you may dampen him. The drummer approached her, feeling of his necktie, and wondering if she would up and kiss him right in broad daylight. She didn't. daughter allowed a rose-colored booklet by Guy de Maupassant to sink among the folds of her French gown, and then she looked at him and said, All goods must be delivered at the rear. Don't you know me? he asked. Raleigh, it seems to me I have seen you somewhere, she replied, but I can't place you. Are you the man who tunes the piano? Don't you remember the night I met you at the lawn party, he asked. And then, chump that he was, and all rattled, he told her his name, instead of giving her the scorching comeback that he composed next day, when it was too late. I meet so many people traveling about, she said. I can't remember all of them, you know. I dare say you called to see Papa. He will be here presently. Then she gave him someone's else, neither, savoir faire, and a few other crisp ones, hot from the finishing school. After which, she asked him how the dear villagers were coming on. He reminded her that he did not live in the town. She said, only fancy. And he said he guessed he'd have to be going as he had promised a man to meet him at Jordan's store before the bank closed. As he moved toward the St. Nicholas Hotel, he kept his hand on his solar plexus. At five o'clock, he rode out of town on a local. Moral, anybody can win unless there happens to be a second entry. And so, the broken-hearted tobacco salesman left the small town on the five o'clock train and was never seen again. But we can hope that the daughter eventually found the man of her dreams, who kept her in marshmallows and took her to the theater every weekend. 
Thanks for tuning in. On behalf of Steve's Book Decor, I look forward to visiting with you again. Until next time, remember to keep your nose in a book and your thoughts in the clouds. The Quills and Cliffhangers podcast is produced by Steve's Book Decor, sellers of fine collectible antique and vintage books. Our store is open 24-7 for your shopping convenience at www.stevesbookdecor.etsy.com.